Freelance Dance, a weekly conversation between three experienced freelancers who are navigating the ups and downs and the ins and outs of the freelance dance. My name is Jake Knight, joined by my co-hosts, Marty Theory and Brandon Watts. Welcome to the Freelance Dance. All right, gents, episode number 12. How are we doing this week? Doing great. Yeah. Ready to go. This is a, this is an exciting episode, one we've teased for a while, so it's, it's about time. Yes. yes. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, productizing, and so that's exciting. And if you don't have any idea what that is, just hang on. Give us a couple of minutes. We'll get there. Um, but we, so we answered a listener email last week in last week's show, and we actually got another one in. So um, this one about screen size, quantity, variety. I don't want to tell you anymore. You'll have to wait to the end of the episode to see the answer. About quality. Plot twist could be another variable. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we'll answer that at the end. We've got a listener, uh, a listener question. But, yeah, we want to get right into it with uh, this concept of productizing. Um, and, I, and Brandon's our, our senior advisor on the productizing um, setup. So, I made that. I made that up, but he's the most experienced of the three of us. So I'm making business cards. Thank you, Jake. Making business. You're welcome. Put that on there. Senior. <laughs> that's, that's how you know someone's important. If you see senior on a business card, forget about it. Like they're not a junior. That's a, that's a real deal. Um, all right. Productize. So first, Is that all you have to do. That's it. Cool. So easy, man. So easy. Um, how about Brandon, you give us a kind of an overview of what that is, because it sounds like a made up word. Um, but yeah, because it kind the... of is. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So if you're in client services and let's, let's just take, there's a lot of different types of freelancers, but um, mainly you're working on client services and for a lot of you and what the typical path is for a freelancer is you offer a service, a general service. It could be web design, marketing, PR, Good examples that the three of us know, but typically what you see people do when they offer these services is you can go to them and every project's a little bit different. The scope's a little bit different. Uh, the length of the contract's a little bit different. And, and you know that as a freelancer, you probably have clients that you work with for a month, a week, 10 years. I mean, it, it can run the gamut. Every project is a little bit different. And what you give to each client can be a little bit different. Productizing is this concept of making everything predictable. So instead of having a, a whole range of services that are like a la carte where, you know, some choose some and some don't choose others, you're building a system that you can offer to the public at a set price. And this can be scary because when you're in freelancing, you want to keep your options open. You want to make your products, your service available to anyone. The method behind productizing is choosing a very specific market that you can offer a very specific service to in a very specific way. So that's a lot of you. That's, that's a lot of specifics, but let me, let me walk you through the beginning to end of this. So let's say a client contacts you and they want to work with you. Usually you're filling out a proposal. It takes hours. You're, you're having discovery calls with them. Heard of that, Marty? Potentially. Have you ever done that? Uh, what's your hourly rate? Yes. That's the first question, right? And and your entire proposal can hinge on one little thing when you worked so hard for that proposal, but it comes down to the hourly rate. Productizing eliminates the entire proposal process. 
because you have a set thing that you deliver, a set scope of services for the same price for everyone. Now, there is there is value-based pricing, and Marty's talked about that in the past, but productizing, at least the way I view it, and everyone views it a little bit differently. I view it as a set project that has a set time frame for a set price. So how does that look for me? Well, with PR, um, many of my clients I had for many years. I mean, I had a client for nine years. I had a client for you know five years recently. What I've transitioned into by productizing PR services is I'm not just on a retainer offering a suite of PR services anymore. I'm offering a DIY PR strategy service. So when someone's interested in this, the way it works is I talk to them about the, the scope of the, the project or the scope of the strategy. I tell them the price. I tell them what's included. And it's it's about a month program. So there is no pricing discussion. There's no negotiating about which pieces they want. It is completely repeatable every single time. You just add your you know creativity and customize it to that client. But the general steps are always the same for the same amount of time. Um, and I love this approach. I I've been fascinated with this for, for many years and I've been wanting to do it myself because I love the predictability of it. Um, I love not waking up in the morning and wondering what my day is going to be like, or getting an email at 5 PM on a Friday with an urgent, you know, news announcement coming out that I wasn't prepared for. That's, that's freelancer life. And we all have done it. And you know, not to say I'll never do it again either. But I am trying to be exclusively productized and all I sell is my strategy service for the same price to a very specific customer for about a month at a time. And it's, I've done three of them now and it's, it's been, it's been good. Um, The clients have been happy with it. I, I think the biggest challenge with the productized service when you're used to having clients for a long amount of time is bringing people into the system, getting them in. You have to do a little more sales than you might be comfortable with if you work for clients for a long time, like I did. I, I didn't look for clients for years because I had two clients that kept me busy. So this has been an adjustment for me. But I do think long term, it's going to be a win-win for the way I like to work. I love learning new things, talking to different companies, seeing them be successful. You also increase your network tenfold. I think for like the last five years... I only worked with the same couple companies. And so I, I missed out on a lot of opportunities because I wasn't out there talking to these people. So, so that's, that's a lot of rambling thoughts there, but that, that'll get us started. So that's, that's what we're talking about when we talk about productized service. So what do you guys think about that concept? So, okay. You, you, a couple of things you said that I'm curious about because um, trading time for dollars is something pretty much every freelancer has to figure out because it takes time to do things. So how is something like what you're this productized model, how is that scalable as opposed to where there's only so many hours a day I can work or build websites or take photos or, you know, work with my clients. How does what you do, I mean, is it scalable? Can you take it to another level or are you still kind of trading dollars for time? So that's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Well, I am getting more value for the money I get paid on my end. I'm, I'm able to, I'm able to be more productive with my time in this instead of being paid hourly. Even on the retainer model, you still are you're giving them an estimate of how many hours you're going to devote to their project. Productized services wipe out that entire hourly conversation. It's a package price. So if I can do it in 50 hours, great. Some clients it might take 70 to do something. You know, you just never know. And it's going to depend on what you feel about the project. But 
for me, it is very scalable. The best part about this is you could you could stack up a few of these at once. So you could do three or four of these based on your sales conversations and have a really productive month, which covers a couple months where it might be slow and you're just trying to get the sales going. So I, I do love the flexibility on that. I love not having to feel like every day has to be a set number of hours of work because now, you know, some days I'm working on a productized project. Sometimes I'm doing some sales, content marketing stuff. Um, it just gives you a variety in your day, but I just love the scope. I love the set scope. I love not having to negotiate all these things. I love just saying, yep. here's the package. They sign on a contract. This is all templated out, by the way. I don't have to generate anything. I put their name in, they sign. I, even my email sequence is the same. When I walk them through, here's the first step and here's the meeting we need to schedule. This is all systematized. So all I can do it's is, fine to, is yeah. sit there and be creative with the real work, which is what I want to do anyways. You're fine tuning uh, a framework, a package, a thing that's going to that's gonna stand its, by itself on its own. And you can go back and tweak it as needed. Uh, you know, thinking about it, like it's an actual, uh, product that you can, you can grab and reach out and hold on to. Um, and they know what to expect and they know that this is how much it is. And, and this is, and that's it. Um, there's like, like Brandon was saying, keeping, keeping that thing scoped down to what you want it to be. Um, I like also like the idea that you could, you can make multiple different products based on what, uh, niche you're going after. Um, and so, and then if you needed to, you could, you could make variants of that. Exactly. Uh, if each, each of those. And so you have options for your clients that they, you know, can't, maybe they can't afford that first package, but they can afford the second one. Um, so yeah, I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's a key point. So right now I have one package to keep it simple, but eventually I probably will go down the path Marty's talking about where you have probably three different options. I'm still exploring that. I haven't had any hesitancy for the one package yet, but I'll, I'm going to, you know, you adapt over time and find out what people want. Right now, they seem okay with the all-in package of doing. Well, it and you're really defining, yeah, and you're really defining the client that you want to sell. This is going to be for right. This is this product is specifically for this person or this client, yeah, this company that have these needs, and so you know, maybe it's not for somebody else and that's fine. They don't have to buy it. Right. So, um, that's to me again, that, that's super focused on that set price and scope. Um, I think benefits both sides, customer and your, and the freelancer. So, so is this more like, so I'm trying to, in, in honest, this is not the full disclosure. We've discussed this in the past. This isn't the first time the three of us are having this conversation, um, about this thing, but I'm fascinated because, in in my line of work, like in marketing, um, I interface with the client a lot. So I might be on site. Um, I might be helping them navigate this problem and like this problem. And I've worked with a lot of different clients. Is there a process? I mean, could you take somebody who works with multiple different clients? But let's say they're all small businesses. Let's just put them, lump them in that they're in a small business category or a medium business or whatever. In different areas, could you systematize that and make that process? I mean, is it about the end goal? Is it about what they're? I mean, what they're after? I'm just, I'm curious in some of the nuances of that. Yeah. So basically, what I'm offering is 
it wouldn't be interesting to a company that say, and if you know VC funding terms, like a series B, series C company, hundreds of employees, let's face it, they're probably going to have multiple agencies or multiple people internally. I'm targeting a very specific group, which is like seed funded, maybe series A funded startups, mainly engineering driven, don't really have a marketing team, don't really have a PR team yet, and don't really want to pay for that yet. They're, they're trying to build their product. I'm trying to find them right at that stage where they got some money, so they're able to build their company, and now I can help them get their own press coverage. And I'm a big believer in that anyways, but that's the right size company for this. Any bigger than that, and it becomes something that's not for them. So so it, it's true. It's not going to be for everyone, but guess what? What's great about the tech industry? There are constantly new seed-funded startups. VC is crazy right now. And so the audience is huge, even though I've limited it. So to your question, Jake, I think... Um, you could do it in multiple ways. I mean, you could say this is the small business package, which enables you to keep it a little generic where you can have, you know, a brewery, a golf course, a restaurant, you know, all sorts of different things in that. And you don't you don't like the points in your package aren't just like, you know, we redesign your menu, which wouldn't be relevant to a golf course or whatever. But you basically make it a small business package. But you like to Marty's point, you could have side packages for a specific industry within there. Um, so yeah, mine is a tech startup package. So I don't say it's like an B2B tech startup package or B2C. I'll work with any companies that are in that scope of C to series A funded startups. And I'm hoping that eventually, once I've done this for a while, bigger companies will want me to come in and advise their PR teams. That's a whole different ballpark. But right now I'm, I really want a small company that's raised their first round, and needs to find a way to make noise. Like they've had no press coverage. They don't know what to do. They don't want to hire a firm. So that's, that's the approach. I like it too, because I feel like you're, you're really targeting the clients that want to do it themselves, um, that have the drive to do it themselves, that have, that have, they think they're smart enough to do it themselves. Um, you know, some of the clients, some of our clients may rely on us, uh, for our for our expertise, but we may have some other clients who can do it all themselves. And so, to me, that is that's there's the there's one package that hey, I don't have to do it all for you. You can do it. And this is how you do it. This is how, and here and this and you can you can charge that you can charge that uh, product at a, a significant rate. I would think um, so that way they can do it for themselves. And look, you're you're out of the picture, and it runs itself. Yeah. So, okay. So I actually, um, this conversation has inspired me to write a note down about a concept because, um, I think you touched on a really great point, Marty, that the productize really is about helping somebody do what you do on their own after you leave, right? You're giving them the tools to, to maybe you set them up with something, but they can carry this on, or you give them the framework that enables them to, you know, you give it to them at the 30 yard line and they take it. I, to I the don't think zone. it's only that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's only that, yeah. but I do think that there is a, uh, like what, what, uh, Brandon is, his is a DIY, uh, what do you call it? Would you call it? Yeah. DIY, DIY PR strategy. <clears throat> yeah. PR strategy. Yeah. So you have that. He has, he has a plan that he's creating that he's, he's promoting for them and they can do it themselves. I don't know if that's going to be every client, Hmm. Um, but that definitely can be somebody, somebody, we have so many smart people that we work with 
clients wise, they, they can totally take what we had, take that plan. And cause that's the thing, like, I don't know how to do this. And so that's why I'm asking you to do it. But if you can give me a roadmap and I can do it myself, okay, I'm going to pay, pay premium dollar for that because now I can do it at my, on my time. Uh, I can figure out how to do it. I can use that over again if I need to, whatever it is, marketing PR. Um, so yeah, yeah. One one misconception I want to get across. So it, productized services don't just have to be. I've I've taken the route of saying this is for you to do yourself. Productized mm-hmm. services. It could be say for for Jake, like for marketing. It could be this is the you know starter marketing package, and it just is very scoped out where it's always the same amount each month. You could say a few thousand dollars a month. Here's exactly what I do. We don't do anything other than that. So you're not telling them to do it themselves, but there's no conversation about scope of project. They know that they get the gold package or whatever you call it. They know that you know that's when you handle their social media. For the silver package, you know, you only handle Facebook and not Instagram and Twitter. Like you have it very specific. So yeah, I've adopted this because I just I love this idea. And to me, I've been in this industry just like you guys have for a long time, like 18 years. And the only way I can promote myself, I feel like, is to take on this coach role. role. And you see a lot of people do this. Um, but once you've been in this business for so long, there's only so many things you can do if you're not going to work for some massive agency, which I'm never going to do. So the only thing I can do right. to give myself a promotion is to now be a coach, to not do the work, but to do the fun part, which is creativity and let them handle it. And again, that's not for everyone, but the way I'm pricing this, if I can get one a month, I've got a great basis. So I don't have to get 10 of these to keep myself alive. It's a premium product that I need to convince 12 minimum people a year to do. And anything beyond that is fantastic. So it's it's doable. Okay. So... Do you think this lens, and I'm glad you brought the coach thing, um, because I think Jack Black said it best, those who can't do, teach. And those who can't teach, teach Jim. I don't think that actually applies here, but um, being a coach anyway. (laughs) um, No, taking the knowledge that you've gained and imparting that. So that leads me to my question about um, courses. Could could is that a is that a way to productize what you do by putting it into a course that is like ten you know ten sections long and there's you know some deliverables they get like some PDFs or mm-hmm. you know a T-shirt if you want. Yeah, see, see, to me that would be the starter package because what I'm doing right now is is still even though it's scoped down, it's still hands on. You know, we talk for six or seven hours on Zoom across the project. So I'm very hands-on throughout beginning to deliverables, but you're right. I mean, that's something that I haven't really considered yet is this idea of it being fully automated. So I record a lot of the best practices and and such. And basically as soon as they clear their credit card on Stripe or whatever, (laughs) they get access and they get a certificate of completion or whatever. And that's a much lower price package where I'm not involved. Or maybe we have like one coaching session at the end where they watch all the videos. Then we have an hour conversation and that's priced way less than my hands-on aggressive I love package that. that I do now. I yeah. love that. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Because that leverages both of the... Because again, as I'm thinking about this productize and not trading necessarily hour for hour for each dollar which is still fine if that's how you run your business and that is totally fine. We're, we're, we're just exploring other ways of doing, of doing business, but packaging what you know in a course means that that 10 hours that you recorded could be watched a thousand hours in a week 
right? You could yeah. never personally deliver that much out, but if they paid for it, so, okay, that's very, exactly. Very interesting. Um, very interesting. I will, I will say too, I, there's a guy who's well known for this and he's actually been someone that I just has really got me going down this path. It's Brian Castle and his website is productizeandscale.com. If you're interested in, in more about what this means, this guy is, is the guy, um, he's got he's his expert. own, he's got his own course. He's got a great podcast. You'll love listening to his podcast. He's got guides. It's all free, but then he has his, you know, he pays for, he charges for his course. Of course, of course he's, he's productized a productized service. So it's inception Brilliant. with the product <laughs> productizing, <laughs> but I will say there, there is one part of it that he is a big believer in that. I agree with him, but I'm not there yet, which is the reason you productize is you can get people involved to help you. Once you've got a system in place, you can hire people and give them the playbook and say, this is, this is it. And so that makes it even more automated where this business is running itself and you're almost out of it because you've developed the system and others can do it for you. That's the end goal that he promotes. Which makes sense because wouldn't anyone want to have people doing their work for them and, and you, you still get paid? I mean, that is the dream of having a, a functioning business. Um, but that's that's how he shifts his. And personally, I'm planning to be hands on completely, but you never know. You could recruit a couple team members to run the process. And once you charge even more. Don't you think that productize is really just an extension of the franchise model? Like for brick and mortar stores, I mean, because it was like you'd have a restaurant that would do, be doing really well, but they would go through and they would systematize every single nuance of their business. And that way they could just go, hey, here's the plan. Now you go, you go, you buy into it, you know, hundred grand, you get your own Chick-fil-A and then you can, you know, go run it. Do you think that's similar to how the, yeah. this, okay. Well, you think Definitely. about, yeah, you think about franchises, they get a playbook like you're describing and chains. I mean, any chain has this about in re I was working in retail and PR and you realize how defined, like all the shelves are and product positioning, it's all been determined. They just have to follow the process. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's actually a really good way to think of this. It's, it's almost like franchising a service business, which, you know, for us who are freelancers, that's not a bad gig in a way you're not, you're not creating all sorts of different versions of your company, but you're making a playbook that anyone you could hire someone tomorrow and get them going immediately. That's, that's the benefit of it. We have, I mean, I think we have like photographers and a lot of um, small designers that probably listen to this podcast um, and talking about giving away or, or teaching other people to do what you do and your expertise. Um, there's a lot of people who uh, out there who've become successful um, because they were expert at what they did and then went on to teach and now are able to, to spread that knowledge to everyone else. And they have, they, they sell courses online. Um, I'm looking at this one, uh, photographer, his, his name is, uh, what's his name? Michael Schultz, but he's in a book I'm, I'm going to talk about later, but, uh, Schultz photoschool.com amazing website. Great. And he's talking uh, online photography courses. For four different people, parents, students, enthusiasts, and pros. And so he found this is his market and he's going to target these guys. And he's been doing photography for probably ages. And, um, you know, that he was able to productize uh, photography, uh, being a, a, a professional photographer. And, you know, 
uh, with some help with some other things on, in marketing, um, he's actually doing really well um, showing people how to take better pictures, which, you know, we all want to do. And so, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a one, that's one area where, Hey, this is how productizing is working for, uh, who use someone who used to probably be a full-time photographer, freelancer. Let me just stick in that same lane because I was photography is the one thing I was thinking about too, because it does require that you're in the space. So here's another, um, good friend, friends of mine, O and J photography. They, they productize their wedding photography business by having associates. And these associates would go through a handbook. They would go through training and they would learn the style that they would be doing. So then all they did is have to go to the event. They take all the photos in the very similar style, making sure they get the, you know, the shot list. Um, but then they reserved, you know, Odin Janelle reserved the right to, they edited all the final shots. So that way they were able to make sure that in editing, a wedding is way less time than being at a wedding and shooting. So that's another way that people have, have productized by just training people to do what they do, but then, you know, not giving up a hundred percent control, like in the case of a franchise, um, but retaining some of that to keep their brand equity. So I think there's a lot of different, this is really interesting. There's a lot of different ways that you can scale or, you know, which yeah. is a fancy way of saying make more money, Right. Yeah, it's really I, I think I think the dream is having that combination of a course and then the hands-on service that has scope to it. And, and photography is the perfect example because imagine this: imagine you had a website and just said, "I'll take photos. Contact me." I mean, you you don't know what you're going to get. You could get someone who wants. <laughs> you could get people who want to take all sorts of photos, but <laughs> but also over what period of time, like. You know, we have a family get together for two weeks. You know, you've got to create a, 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 a zone for that, you know, a set scope for that. Whereas it's, it's so natural with wedding photography. You say, I shoot your wedding. You know the scope of that. You could say, I'll record, I'll take photos three hours before, record the ceremony, record three hours of the reception. A week later, you get the images delivered this way. That is a productized service and it costs this much money. So there's, everyone knows what right. they're getting. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the dream is, is having these options and knowing exactly what to do when someone buys it. Well, and I think that's super relevant, especially right now as you know, in person things are challenging because of a global pandemic. So this is also a way. So if you're listening and you're thinking like, I'm really struggling with how to do my service or my, my, like how to grow that or scale that, or just even find more customers or clients because of the global pandemic, this is a really great rabbit hole to go down a really great rabbit hole to go. Is this, is his there name, a way his name is, his name is Kyle Schultz, by the way, sorry. His name is oh, not thank Michael you. Schultz. No, <laughs> no, Michael Schultz is not someone you want to hang out with. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Kyle, who that is. Kyle Schultz Kyle, of Schultz photoschool.com. Check it out. Uh, yeah. Go check the show notes of this episode and you'll be able to click on the Parappa link. Um, so wh where do you see, this is the futurist in me, where, where do you see this going in the future? Like, where do you see this concept of productizing? Like, do you see this growing or is it going to, are we just in infancy stages or I mean, what do you think, Brandon? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I think we're at the time when a lot of people are trying to work for themselves and to freelance. And I think everyone's going to make the same mistake when you get started of just saying, 
I make websites or I do PR or I do marketing. You don't tell who you do it for. You don't tell them what the scope is. It's just, it's just, I do this and anyone can come in the door and we'll see what happens. That's not a great way to run your business, even though all three of us have probably done that. And I'd done it for a long time and (laughs) not to say I'll never go back to that. You never know. It depends on the market. But um, I think as people get experience in freelancing, they start to see the benefits of having a system in place that uses their time better, that is reliable for income, that lets you bring on people for maybe weeks at a time, months at a time. I mean, you can scale up and down quickly because you have a process in place. I think it's the future of client services because it's easy on the client too. They can search Google for, I need this, find it, know exactly how much it costs and get it done. Like done for you. No weird conversations about what's our relationship going to look like working together. And it just makes everything transactional in a good way. Like it, it just gets value for everyone. So I'm I'm a huge fan. I hope it works out for me because I'm early days, but <laughs> we hope it I may does be talking too, about how man. terrible it is. <laughs> but I'm sold on it right now, and if I can get the top of the funnel, as we love to say in marketing, get the top of the funnel bringing people in, that's that's the machine, and this thing can start running itself after that point. So if you're listening to this and you are wondering how you can do PR for yourself, you gotta hit up brandon he didn't tell me to say that but i'm just saying it also if you're in a tech startup in a vc space with series a you said yeah seed or series a let's talk yeah yeah let's talk um marty what do you think do you think this is uh the the future of of client services or do you think this is going to become a super like almost underground thing that people are going to do and or do you think it's going to become a bigger a bigger deal um, I, it's going to, I think it's going to depend on what your goal is for what, what kind of company you're trying to build, obviously, and what you want to do. If you're going to be a freelancer by yourself, um, I do think it makes sense to do, to make a, a system or, or packages or, uh, a framework for everything that you do. Um, and then if you can happen to sell that and people want it and can, people can use it and that makes people, other people successful, um, that to me is great. That's awesome. Um, I think that's, you know, being able to provide a service like that for other people to be successful, um, quickly, uh, and it be able to share your knowledge always is going to be a good thing. And I hope it's the future. We'll see. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I asked because as we've been talking about this, uh, I have an announcement to make. I've, I've made a pretty, pretty big uh, shift in my, my business space. Um, I've done a lot of small business marketing and, you know, like Brandon said, work for whoever showed up at the front door and said, here's 10 bucks. I was like, well, I could spend that some way. Um, I'm, I am making the pivot and, and I've gone back and forth, but I'm, I, and I've said this on the show before, so it's not new, but the pivot to focusing on one industry. Um, but I recently made a, a branding change slash um i i was my business name was white knight design studio which is a story for another time um it's not what you think by the way um and it turns out i'm not uh anyway that changed to pitch black marketing um but i've made the decision to abandon that and um just stick with more of a personal brand for what i do and then let my business kind of you know productize service so jake j J-A-K-E-J-Y.com is actually my new website. 
Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to position. And I think that course idea, I'm very, I'm very excited about that. Very excited about that. Great, great domain name. Did you, did you find that domain name on your own? So what's crazy is that I have a good friend of mine who, who will go unnamed. Um, no, his name is Marty. And I can't believe it, you guys. Seven. I seven can't believe that was available. Domain name. I cannot believe. It's great. You know what's funny? JakeJ.com. Unbelievable. When I bought it, Google said, this is a great domain name because it's less than 13 characters. I was like, <laughs> yeah. It's, they, they told me it was worth a grand when I bought it. Like It's like, your domain yeah. is worth a grand. And I'm like, well, shoot, I'm just going to sell it right now and call it quits. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I have been I'm a little impetuous, but not that impetuous. Um, but anyway, so I'm excited about this productize space taking kind of what I know. Cause it's the same thing. We've all been in the space a long time. There's a lot of knowledge that I've learned and I don't want to reinvent the wheel every single time a new customer comes through the door. Cause there's a lot, a, it's not efficient for them and it's not efficient for me. So we can, I can deliver a better pro and product. So I, I appreciate Brandon, you kind of going into a little deep dive on this. I would love, and we would all love if you have a question surrounding productize or you have an idea, we'd love to hear about it. You know, hit us up on, on Twitter at underscore uh, freelance dance and, um, or any one of us, Marty Brandon or Jake, I mean, just look in the show notes and click on one of the links. And one of them is bound to take you to something we've, we've done. So, um, <laughs> awesome. Well, we, well, any, anything you want to say finally about, about, uh, Productize Brandon before we go to our listener mail or, or Marty. Yeah. Go, go to productize and scale Brian Castle, follow him. Um, and yeah, explore the option. It may not be right for everyone, but give it a shot. Run through the scenario in your mind and just see what it would look like and see if you're excited about it. I'm willing to bet if you think of the possibilities, you'll get pretty excited about it. So give it a shot. Also too, he's got a good podcast. Um, he, he interviews a bunch of different, people who've done the productized model as well. Um, yeah, he answers a lot of good questions. Um, Hey Brian, uh, we'd love to talk to you about it. If you, if this by chance gets back around to you as well, um, I'm sure we would love to have a conversation. Um, talk more about this. We think it's interesting too. I think three conversations, he should do an episode with each one of us and talk about his best practices for us. I mean, it's like free coaching maybe. Okay. That might be pushing it. I want to very, we'll, we'll put the podcast in the, in the show notes too. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, listener mail. So we had another, another, this is incredible. Two weeks in a row. I mean, you guys, this is unprecedented. I love that word. Um, <laughs> so this is from, uh, this is from Tice, uh, T H Y S Tice. Uh, What's so up, here's Tice? his, here's his, uh, here's his question. Hey lads, this might be a basic question to you. What desk setup do you find works for you and why? How many screens? Is it possible to have too many? He says he, he's in construction project management and he currently works with three screens. And it seems like I never have enough screen space between schedules, email, budget spreadsheets, reviews, construction drawings, etc. Any input you have, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. So we love to talk about screens. Oh yeah. Who's going first? This is Marty all the way. I'm talking. Like. Yeah, let's go oh, Marty. Marty yeah, question. Yeah. Come on. All right. So, so you said, what did you say earlier? Uh, quantity. Quantity. Qual what else? Quantity. Size. Size. And you said quality. And I said quality as well. Yeah. So, Tice, I'm not sure what um, 
you didn't say how big your screens were. So I will say that I have personally, this is what my setup is at this very moment is two 27 inch screens. Um, one is the 5k iMac and the other is the 5k LG monitor. So I have two 5k monitors running at one time. Um, that is way more screen size than I use, but, uh, or that I, that I need, I think personally. Um, but I do use it both, both. I tend to have multiple things going on at one time. Maybe I have like music going. And so that's on one screen with uh, my browser. And then the other screen, the screen in front of me is uh, what I'm actually working on the code wise, or uh, maybe the terminal. Um, I did have three screens and my monitor is sitting on the floor over here. And I had three screens at one point because I was hooking up to a um, MacBook pro. I love that as well. Um, Only because it felt like I had dedicated screens for different things, um, which was nice. So I knew that, for instance, one screen was just Spotify. Another screen was just the browser. And then the middle screen was probably whatever I'm working on at the moment. With so many screens, you can easily get distracted. So especially, you know, where is everything? I got so many things going on. I got Slack open. You got Discord open. You got uh, uh, whatever other apps you got open. WhatsApp messages. Um, I, I, I didn't know. Did he say anything about being on a Mac or PC? I, I'm going to think it's a PC. Okay. I think it's a PC, yeah. but that does make a difference though. Yeah. So 20, I had a 27 inch and then I had a 24 inch, uh, as a second monitor. And then I had the iMac, I mean the uh, MacBook pro as the third monitor. That was, that was a lot. And three screens is a lot. Um, but I, more screens, the better for me. I love it. What about you guys? And like a wall street trader, you've just got like 90 screens around you. Um, I'll go next. So I have used um, a vertical screen setup. So I've got my my MacBook Pro, which sits on my desk, and then I have another 27-inch monitor above it. So I have a vertical space. Now, um, when this whole thing, all the pandemic all thing happened, and I kind of my home office became the office, I I got two 27-inch monitors side by side with my MacBook Pro. Um, what I found after a couple of months was that 50 some inches of screen in front of me, um, I couldn't see anything else. And it was like a lot of left and right head moving to find out what I needed. And so I went back down to the, just the two monitors, but I did experiment with taking one of those 27s and making them vertical as opposed to horizontal. And that was an interesting, because, you know, especially you could almost put that side by side to your, to your, if you have a laptop, you could put it side by side. So there's not so much that's directly blocking you. But I know a lot of, a lot of, you know, developers will do that because they can see way more code at once with, as they're scrolling through. But, um, I tried, I tried it. I, I didn't it. stick with it. I didn't stick with it either. But I, I think for a lot of us, it goes back to what we've done in the past and just kind of here's a setup that works for us. And it takes a long time to build a new habit, you know? So, um, yeah. I, if you're on a, if you're on iOS, I mean, one of the other things that I don't, a lot of people don't make use of is that you can make your iPad another screen. Um, and, and that sometimes if you just need a little bit extra real estate or you have a dedicated smaller screen that you just want to have, you know, a reference guide or something on, um, that, that can work too. So I've seen, 
I've seen that work. I think it's native now. I do, I do that uh, when I'm traveling. So I'll use the yep. MacBook Pro and the iPad on the side. And that's it's awesome as a second screen. Nice. It's, it's crazy how much stuff you can get done, even on even if it's not 27 inches. It's only like 10 10 16, 15, 10. 17. Yeah. And oh. then, oh, yeah. And, the, and then I, however, much, however much the iPad is. Yeah. All right, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I currently I currently am slumming it with a single monitor right now. It's a 27-inch 4K. I know. I'd prefer to have two. My my reasons are I'm waiting for the new iMac to come out, and then hmm. that'll be my main driver, and this will be my secondary to that. Yeah, I, I would totally prefer to have two screens. I do think I do think it's good. I think 27 inches is the right amount of space, though, for displays. I mean, I've, I've worked on 24s, 21s. It's just, there's something about the uniformity of it. It just, it, it feels like a natural fit on a desk, 27 inch screen. Um, I will say you do see people that have different sized displays. I, that seems crazy to me. I, I, it would drive me crazy to have one smaller than the other and a different resolution. And it would just, it would throw me oh. off. So you have to have matching displays, I think is the main thing are very close to matching. My, my issue with, with him is he's already using three screens and he's saying, how many is too many? It seems crazy to get a fourth screen. <laughs> I, I think I think he needs to optimize whatever screens he has. Like if they are 20 inches, then you probably need to get three 27 inches with, with better resolution. And that's going to give you more space. Um, but yeah, he, does, he doesn't mention the size of those screens. I wouldn't get a fourth screen. I, I just think that I don't think anyone needs that. Um, but I will say have a purpose for each screen. I always used to do that. Um, you know, maybe make the left one, your communication screen, the, the middle one, your drafting screen, you know, he's in construction. So just give it a, a, each, each screen a purpose. And, you know, it sounds like he has tons of apps open, but maybe you don't need all those apps open. I will say if you're not able to fit them on three screens, you might need to just minimize some things. <laughs> I hate to give you the honest well, truth there. Uh, well, I think, I think the other issue is, so if you're on a, let's say a 21 inch screen, having two side-by-side windows is not going to be uh, efficient, but I'm like, right now I'm looking at my 27 inch and I've got Evernote on one side and email on the other. And they're not, I'm not even doing split screen. I just have them sitting there and I can have both of those. But the other thing with a Mac is you can have multiple, you know, quote unquote desktops that you can swipe through. So that's what also yes. allows me. I've got different desktops that are set up for different things. So I just with three fingers can swipe and go to one. So that's the other thing. Tice, if you, um, if you want to, you know, rob the piggy bank and you're not already on a Mac, there's some really great tools. I think also one more thing is that um, depending on the size of your desk, uh, if you get monitor arms um, and maybe have them all on one arm or, or, or on one stand with multiple arms, um, you can kind of clear, it can, it can make it, uh, not as cluttery, uh, which is nice mm-hmm. unless you get a lot of toys, then it may have clutter. I've got too many toys on my desk right now. <laughs> yeah. Confession time. Okay. Well, so that's, uh, hopefully Tice, you got something, uh, something out of that and we didn't just frustrate you, um, by giving you a bunch <laughs> of different options or criticizing your current setup. We love you. And, uh, we think you're doing great work. Thank so, you very much for the listener yeah, question. Love the question. Yeah, and thanks for writing in. That was that was awesome. Um, and if you didn't listen to last week's episode, listen to last week's episode because we've got a question. Um, yeah, we 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 did the same thing. We we confused our our listener. 
Again. No, she she wrote back and said <laughs> she appreciated it and it was great. So nothing we got nothing but love. <laughs> At least that's all you all gonna gonna hear. Um all right. It is time for the freelance dance picks of the week. All right. So um who's going first? I was I meant to keep a rotation of this so we could just rotate through, but we're gonna just ad lib it. How about you, Jake? Just out ad lib it. Yeah, you go first. I feel like Jake. you always go last. You do okay. go last. Do it. Well, so I have had a very difficult relationship with email for a very long time, pretty much since it was invented. Um, I always have too much of it. I can't sort it. I get sucked into it. I have. I do not have inbox zero. For those of you who know what that is, that means that you cannot have any email in your inbox. Um, but it almost scare me sometimes to look in my email because client services, you're just expecting a, a disaster. So I was listening to a different podcast that I can't remember the name of it. Um, uh, I'll probably think of it a little bit, but, um, but they were talking about tools they use. And they mentioned this company called Sane Box. They have not sponsored this. This is not, I'm not getting anything from them, but it would be nice if they did, but they're not. Um, but I used their service for a couple of weeks and it's, it's insane because I honestly felt like my sanity to my email came back like their name of their product same box. Um, and it's simple. They do a digest email that you can at the very bare minimum, they take everything that isn't super important and they put it into a daily digest that you can review. It's usually newsletters, nonsense, stuff like that. But they have a couple of features I think are really awesome. One, if you send somebody an email and they don't reply back, it'll let you know, Hey, these people haven't replied to that message. Cause you know, we get busy and we could just forget they haven't replied like, Oh, I actually do need that answer. But, um, the other one is the black hole. You can black hole a sender, which means once you click that button, you will never see their email come into your inbox ever again. That in itself, cause you know what happens when you click on subscribe, they go, Oh good. A real person. And they sell your email to a bunch of people. And so you don't want to unsubscribe cause you're worried about that. So, Hey, is that what you're doing? Is that, did you just tell us what you got, what you're doing? You, you marketer, you <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, it feels a little bit too heavy handed. You should not say those things out loud. Um, no, that is definitely a technique. I don't do it. Um, I don't want to get fined for sending spam. Cause that's a thing you can actually receive yeah. a fine for sending unsolicited email. Um, but not, but not regular mail. Go figure. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so Sanebox, I think it's Sanebox.com is the thing. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, I may or may not receive some sort of credit if you use that link. Um, because I, it gives me a link. So why not, why not use it? Our but, first affiliate link. Um, it's good though. I'm dance. telling you, if you hate your email, like you dread opening it, you need to just do this. It's 14 cents a day for one of their packages. It's super cheap. Anyway, that's my, Freelance dance pick of the week. And nice. Next we go to, I want to save, I want to save Marty for last. Why? Okay. We need yeah, to save Marty uh, for last. Yeah. So I want, I want Brandon to go. <laughs> Watch him pick something completely random, like some restaurant or something. Rubik's cube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my pick this week is discord. Um, it's what we use the three of us to communicate 
throughout the day about the show and random things. I've used Slack. I've used Teams. I've used some of the other ones um, over the years. But I do have to say, I, I really like Discord a lot. It's like the non non-corporate version of Slack. It, it just feels more fun, approachable. The branding helps with that. But just the design of the product overall feels a lot more community-driven. And you'll see that that's part of it, too. I mean, yeah, you can have real-time messaging, real-time audio chat. But you, you notice a lot of communities opening up their discords. And so it's like a membership thing, which you can control the permissions. And it's really good about that. So hypothetically, if we had interest, we could have a the freelance dance discord community and uh, bring everyone into it. But I, I just mentioned it. I know pretty much anyone who's in this space has heard of it or maybe even is on some of them. But I just think it's it's really interesting how you think Slack, Slack, Slack. Well, they found their own lane and it's huge with gamers, of course, but it's it's great for a, just a pop up community. And I love it. It works well. I don't think I've found any issues or bugs. Um, so yeah, it just makes communication easy and I'm, I'm a fan. So if you work with a couple people or want to have your own little friend group, spin up a discord and I think you won't regret it. I think one day we may use discord as a uh, live podcast episode. So we'll put that in our back pocket. That in we'll uh, see what happens. That in clubhouse. Uh, well, yeah, clubhouse. We'll use, maybe we'll do both at the same time. That'd be interesting. And a Facebook yeah. Live at the same and a time. Facebook live. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Break the social. I had to sign up for Facebook. That's a good pick, Brandon. Again. That's a good pick. I actually yes. never used Discord until uh, we did this. Yeah, I so, neither. Because it's great. You work by yourself a lot. There's, no one's talking yeah. to you. Love it. Love All right, Marty. All right. So I was. T- I wanted to talk about this website called Amazon. <laughs> uh, you, you, have you heard of it? <laughs> Affiliate links. <laughs> no. Here, this is about something you could get on Amazon. It's a book. Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of late to the game on this. Um, I mean, I think this came out what 2015. So um, there's this guy. His name is Donald Miller. Um, he is extremely smart, and he wrote this book called "Building a Story Brand." Um, and you're like, okay, what does that mean, the story brand? Um, hopefully, hopefully a lot of our listeners have already read this. I just read it. Well, I'm in the process of reading it this week. Um, started last night. I am on chapter, I guess, 12 or 13. I'm, I'm almost done. It's not a long, it's not a long book. Um, it's a marketing book, uh, specifically, uh, clarifying your message. So customers will listen and the concept behind it is genius seven elements of great storytelling to grow your business um i this is like a little side point i listen to podcasts about movies i don't i don't know why but i listen to podcasts about movies because i'm interested in how creative people come up with the ideas for things and the background behind it so those things those things interest me so storytelling and how people write or how people make music or how they you know, where that all comes from and why they're doing it is all interesting to me. And what they're all doing is, 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 uh, telling a story. What's cool that Donald Miller says is that based off of science and all the wonderful research that he's done, that any brand or any company can tell a story 
about them, about their product, uh, or not necessarily a product, but about the journey uh, that one customer could go through uh, while discovering this company. And it's a really interesting read. Um, I'm just going to leave it right there. I think you should go look at it. Go read it. Thanks to these guys, Brandon and Jake. Um, I never really and did, didn't. I heard of I heard of it, but I never really thought about reading it or anything until a couple weeks ago. And I finally went out and bought it, and I'm a super fan now. So, um, and I, for what it's worth, uh, I am, you know, completely redoing my entire uh, strategy of how I'm going to market myself anyway. So. Um, it's really, really good. Check it out. Building a story brand. Donald Miller. You guys like the book? Do you guys oh, like man. Donald Miller? Hey, Amen. <laughs> Jake yeah. and I were already you good guys- friends, but when I, I think a couple years ago, I just casually mentioned it. I remember you, you, your eyes lit up and you're like, <laughs> we have to talk. We already knew we were good friends, but as soon as we bonded over story brand, let's just say story brand, Donald Miller, you bring people together. You bring friends together. Yeah. It's, and it, you need to be on this it, podcast, Donald Miller or JJ or whoever from StoryBrand or Kula. Yeah, we'll take, Kula, we'll take all simple. any of you. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, we bought all your products anyway, um, which is how good it is. No, that framework, I, same thing. I redid my brand after, and I work in marketing. Um, when I read that, I actually reread the book with a certain company in mind and did all my notes based on that that company, which is what I will Their probably do from. Nice from and I'll, they have a great framework um that they they do but that's awesome man i'm i love that you picked it welcome to the welcome to the the story brand fan oh, club i can't i can't put it down honestly i can't put it down i am literally listening to him read it to me while i have the hardcover in front of my face and it's just like I, that was me for like five hours today. I'm not that's joking. Like, so I, can, uh, can we just bond over that? I mean, th- there, we have three different people on this podcast that come at life from different angles, of course, you know, with our work and everything. I had the exact same feeling when I was reading. I was like, it's like you would just want to yell out to no one around you. Like, do you, can you believe right. how good this is? This is like, good. It's just, it's, it, good. it's so direct and so simple. Um, And what did you tell us about Jake that like, sorry, I cut you off, Brandon. I'm sorry. No, go. Uh, but Jake, Jake gave us an interesting, an interesting statistic today. Somebody got their PhD. So, uh, so JJ, who's part of the story brand family. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. He, he got his PhD researching, improving that this framework works. In fact, the only thing that they found that leads to failure is lack of implementation is mind blowing, <laughs> mind blowing. And you also a uh, spoiler alert. You won't watch movies the same after you read that book. Cause story gaps and you will be what go buy the book. Love it. That's good. That's awesome. Check it out. Check it out. If you awesome. like storytelling too. I mean, if you're, if you love a good story um, and you understand what it takes to tell a good story and uh, why humans love stories, um, it makes so much sense. Like it just, that to me, it connected everything. So check it out. Fantastic. Okay, well, on that high note, uh, episode 13 comes to a conclusion. Um, thanks again for listener mail. We also appreciate the, uh, we've gotten a couple um, reviews on uh, Apple, at least Apple Podcasts, a couple of five-star reviews, comments. But any honestly, anybody who listens or support it, we really appreciate it. 
um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for for uh, taking the time out to listen. We hope you found something of value, right? We lo- we see we see those likes, we see those retweets, we see those LinkedIn messages. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, ma'am. We love you. Yeah, thank you for that. So, well, gents, it's been an awesome uh, topic. Uh, we'll we'll have to probably revisit this this topic on a somewhat maybe quarterly, annually basis because I, I feel like with each of us going through this this process um it might be might be fun to do some uh, some follow-ups later on so but until next time see ya bye everyone bye thanks for listening to this episode of the freelance dance if you found this episode helpful we'd love it if you would leave us a review have an idea for a show or a question Go to thefreelancedance.com or hit us up on Twitter at underscore Freelance Dance. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Until next time.